Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast. Welcome back. back Another back, illustrious back, episode back, up, ahead. Up, ahead, up ahead. Before I get into the episode, guys, I would like for you guys to go over to iTunes or Apple Music. Leave a comment. Say something good. If you got an ounce of knowledge from this podcast, go over there. Drop a comment, please. If you've gotten nothing from this podcast, please go over there and drop a comment as well. Um, the more the podcast grows with comments and quotes and five star reviews, the bigger the guests will get. And the bigger this podcast gets, the bigger the guest gets, and bigger everything gets. And the bigger the experience and the more knowledge you guys be able to get from this podcast. So please go over to iTunes or Apple Music and leave a five star review and leave a comment. Leave something. Say something. Say this podcast is the best. I listen to it every day. I don't care what you say say something please but on today's episode we have jermaine stone jermaine is actually one of our first uh interviews that I ever did he was episode number four uh, of this podcast and this was you know almost two years ago after you know speaking with him his company had completely taken a different turn he was more selling like products and wine products and now he had to pivot his business and he's moved more into like wine marketing and wine consulting which is uh quite a difference due to pandemic and he was able to make that happen so i'm not going to waste too much time let's get into this update episode with jermaine stone right now boom 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 H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. So we have an update episode for you guys. So mm-hmm. I was actually looking back. This you were episode number seven of our podcast. Ooh. I know this has Damn. been it's been two years, and we're back with Jermaine Stone, the founder of Crew Love, um, the yes. Wine Hip Hop Podcast, and tons of other things since the last time we spoke. <laughs> I mean, you've already had a ton of slashes in your name then, but now it's a little it's a little out of hand. Um, so. Zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jermaine Stone, welcome back to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And look, man, you know, thank you also, you know, all that success, all this growth over the years, as you know, you've been a very integral part of um you know through your consultation man so thank you bro yeah so um let's go back to the last time you were on the episode you know we were you kind of about found out about your story you started off in wine you know packing wine in 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 a warehouse then moved up then got into wine auctioneering and then you branched off and started your own thing but the last time we spoke was two years ago. A lot happened in two years. You know, a pandemic happened. We had a different president that had put tariffs on wine and, and, and the world shut down. So how did you maneuver through the pandemic? Like, what was that experience like for you? Man, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the pandemic was a huge turning point in, uh, in Crew Love. And um, really, it was um, the pandemic proved a few things with many people. Uh, you were either going to succeed or fail. 
and it made a lot of people um, because of the the urgency and just how brand new everything was. So during that time, uh, a big part of my focus was um, working with. Uh, during that, <laughs> sorry. During that time, a big part of my focus was wine sales and um, helping to grow uh, wine brands. So I was on the street doing in-person activations often. And, um, you know, pandemic hit, couldn't do that. And we were kind of hit with the dumb whammy because prior to that, you know, uh, a big thing that I was doing was also helping to import Burgundy. Uh, presidential tariffs hit and, you know, that ended a lot of people's careers. So... For me, um, I definitely pivoted a lot into my content. Uh, I noticed that there was a, a need for content at that time. No one could go outside. The great thing is uh, we were already doing it and we were already doing a good job. It just created more of a, a, of a focus. Now, um, it helped me in many ways. You know, I originally looked at the content as a loss leader, but... Um, I, it was just a way for me to stay in front of my clients, and uh, that's exactly what we did. So I still approach things from a consultation space, but after George Floyd was murdered, um, every organization was trying to figure out how to show that they were supportive of the black community and how to seamlessly blend, you know, um, and thankfully I was already doing that, so I was in a perfect position from needing to advise these exact people on how to do this thing. So the content was right there and it exploded. You know, during 2020, I think we got a lot of visibility because of people's uh, focus on content. And during 2021, we just blew up. You know, uh, by the end of 2022, we'd seen 400% growth uh, on paper uh, from where we started. So just to, that just goes to show you the amount of growth that that focus on content during that time in the pandemic, uh, was for us. Wow. Sounds um, like it completely changed your entire business because you were focused more on the man on the street, being there, pushing brands, getting stuff like that. And then you went full on content. Granted you had content going, but you really went full on it. It sounds like you're now in a completely different business. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, you know, this is still something that's growing. Now, when it's funny, man, I think back to when uh, we got the idea of starting Crew Love and I knew that uh, consultation was important. So that was one, always going to be one arm, advising people, helping to uh, influence the right people that are making the decisions on what's really going on. Um, that was always a part of it. But separately, content was also a huge part of it. So that blew up. But then as soon as people could go back outside, the other arm for what we were doing, which is events, also came to blow up. So it was just, um, it just felt, it uh, It was when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. So you what know, were you exactly doing? exactly what happened. What were you doing to, to build content? Because granted, everybody was inside. Everybody just had a phone or, you know, podcasting. What, what did you do to help grow content? Because you were able to kind of cut through when brands could do the same things. They have the same exact things that you had. What, why were you thinking you were able to cut through? Or how were you able to cut through? So through that time? Well, um, well, one, it kind of leveled the playing field because everyone was on Zoom. 
you know, every, you had entire movies filmed over Zoom during this time, you know? <laughs> so it's it's just, it was, the, it was the norm. So it leveled the playing field. And at that point, it's who can be the most creative. And, you know, <clears throat> if I do have any talents, it's definitely my creativity. That's always been a part of, uh, a big part of who I was. You know, I've always had these big ideas. I'm now just able to execute them, you know? So when that leveled the playing field, um, we just went crazy. Uh, I also had a voice and a voice that had something to say that was 100% genuine, uh, which was uh, a big difference from from what was uh, happening at the time. I think that you know, and you can see it from then to now. Yeah, there was a boom of people on social media and trying to build these social media personas. There were people, I saw like older Psalms that, you know, aren't the most social media friendly needing to, you know, <laughs> tap dance a little bit on the gram. Yeah, because there was <laughs> so, no one to serve in a restaurant. There was no one to be it, fancy in front of, you know. It's, exactly. It's like, how do you, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, uh, not everyone is for the gram. You know, that's not everyone's thing. And we were all put in a position to need to do that. Um, so, you know, my creativity um, was the way that I cut through. Uh, just staying fresh, staying unique. But also, um, I knew that things would come back. So in the background, we were still building the machine. We were still fine-tuning wine and hip-hop TV. <laughs> we were still fine too. You know, we were working on that Easy Mo B episode for like two years. <laughs> you know, we had the time to, to lock in and focus. And um, I think that it, it showed, you know, it, that's what made us so unique. Uh, and But also with us, I realized it's not how many people you're reaching. It's who you're reaching. You know, what what are you trying to accomplish with this content? You know, and, and my thing is, is has always been to influence from the top down. Things fall from the top down, but at the end of the day, I'm already at the bottom. So we're just trying to meet in the middle here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, two years ago, when, you know, you had your podcast, you were just starting out, everything you were just fresh, new in business, wine and hip-hop was like a very interesting concept, right? You're like, I'm trying to, you know, meet wine and hip-hop together. In a weird way, culturally, that has like kind of been able to start meeting. You know, you have mm -hmm. Jay-Z talks about wine on a large level. Wine is more integrated. There there are hip-hop stars that are starting their own brand. Jay-Z sold, you know, uh, his brand to uh, you know LVMH and then also so the cognac to Bacardi. Now you're starting to see wine and hip hop really come together. Um, how do you feel now that the worlds are almost getting a little bit closer? You know, um, honestly, and I'm gonna keep it real with you. I, I'd like to hope that I help to push that along by highlighting how serious this culture should be taken. You know, this is. It's, it's something that was going to happen. And if people didn't treat it with respect, it would have been bastardized. It would have been a game. It would have been Rodney Dangerfield rapping, you know? And I wanted to make sure that that was not the case. So, you know, that's why it was, um, you know, me having the benefit of being in the wine industry at that 
time, you know, you know, I started just the the this crew love company after I was already 13 and a half years in. So, you know, I already had these connections. People knew me on the on on different ends of the business, but we were in a position to actually prove what we were saying, and there was a dire need for that. Um, you even look at uh, the, the trouble that people are still having to sell wine to millennials and how to cut through to that. And we're seeing that change slowly. Yeah. Um, you, you know, funny, I, I, it's interesting because wine is such an older business, right? And they seem to not want to even try to get the younger people in it. It's like, let's just stay with people who have money. Um, do you think it's ever going to get younger or people are just going to have to get older and get into wine at an old age? No, I don't, I don't think wine is really something that's going to get younger. Uh, I, think that, um, I think that it's something that grows out a bit, but it's something that comes with age. You know, wine is the scenic route. It's not the expressway. Okay. Uh, and look, you know, I'm 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 kicking forties door down. You know, I'm not. <laughs> so I move a little slow. I'm sitting here drinking some sod term with with lunch. You know, I'm not pounding margaritas. Not to say that I don't do that sometimes. It's just it, uh, more often. Um, I think that anyway, wine fits our lifestyle. And so when people fall, like there's a category that your lifestyle fits into that. It's like socially, is wine a young thing? Look, people drink wine in cans at the beach. Eh, that's not really my thing. I'm not against it, but it's, you know, it's, I'd rather bring a cooler, keep my bottle so I can have certain wines. Like that's just me. Um, I don't think that behavior personally, uh, and I'm sure many people feel differently, but I personally don't think that. Um, that's the way to go. I think that it's figuring out how to fit wine into cool spaces because cool people always want to be in cool spaces and young people always want to be cool. <laughs> that's you know? true. So, that's um, true. But that's how you do it. Like you think about the fact, like, look, we were teenagers in the club wanting to drink Dom Perignon. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, it's because of the way that it was introduced to us. It was the lifestyle attached to it that we wanted to be a part of. So I think that wine overall has to do a better job of being a lifestyle that people want to be a part of. And yeah. these problems will go away. Got it. It has to be representation of cool, but not like exclusionary cool, but cool all around. Yeah, but cool, like something you want to, you know, uh, um, attainable luxury is is the way that I like to look at it. You know, not and, and that's the great thing about wine because you have several different categories. You know, you think about um even uh, Bordeaux, you know, so for example, um you know, I was drinking a, a Grand Cru Bordeaux, you know, so me or like a first growth uh Bordeaux, meaning that's one of the um five best from one of the five best chateaus in the region like that's the system how the system is set up then you got your second growth and um that first growth that doesn't change second growth every couple years they have opportunities to get in and, and different chateaus can be considered um a second growth but the bottom line is there are way you can work and then you have just like your, your regular Bordeaux, you know, which is just something that's from the region. 
Um, so there's a lot of different levels. You don't have to drink one or the other. It's not even to say one or the other is better. Like you don't, wine is not something that you want to drink the same thing every time. Wine is about variety, trying different things. And, you know, I'm sure you don't listen to one style of music all day. You don't just listen to sad shit all day, <laughs> you know, but sometimes you're just in a little sad, sad mood. mood yeah. So you want to you want somebody to feel you. You want yeah. those speaker knockers on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so so, so I, I'm sorry. A little bit you were saying before you were saying that you um, move, once pandemic kind of released, your business kind of exploded in a person mm-hmm. in, in, a, in in person way. Can you explain how that happened? Because it seems like the content was able to lead you to get more eyeballs on you to then when people were able to come outside. What happened after that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like during that time, I built a persona that people wanted to be around. Um, and uh, I I used a lot of my contacts to uh, gain more of a global influence you know, uh, connecting with a lot of like French winemaker friends also. I mean, and some of the the things that happened are things that had been building in the background for a long time. Pandemic actually stopped this Lafitte uh, footage uh, from happening. You know, so for those of you that don't know, um, one of those uh, first growth uh, Bordeaux uh, chateaus is called um, Chateau Lafitte. So I did a show there. I did a few episodes uh, of our content there, Wine and Hip Hop podcast with um, the chairwoman, uh, Saskia Rothschild. Yes, from the Rothschild family. Wow. Uh, (laughs) But then uh, we also did an episode of Tasting Notes from the Streets in Bordeaux. So Tasting Notes from the Streets is a dope visual and event series where every episode we take our favorite we pair our favorite foods from the hood with different wines from around the world. After the release of the episode, we have an in-person tasting where people can try that pairing. Now, we did that whole Lafitte episode. We did it so big. We went to Bordeaux and this is a conversation that started back in 2019 when I get a random DM from uh, <laughs> from the um, the U.S. ambassador at Lafitte, like, hey, you know, reaching out, love your content, uh, want to link up and try to do some stuff. And I'm so like, so this is even before the pandemic. This was 2019. Got it. You know, and that's why I say it's like, you know, we was we were sowing these seeds for a long time. We were already doing this stuff. Got it. You know. So, so did you think the pandemic helped you prepare for when the moment actually came that you were ready to roll, or did did it? Did you think you would have had the same execution even if you didn't have the pandemic? That's a very good question. Um, you know, I've never thought about that. I feel like, in some ways, the pandemic allowed me to reset. You know, I don't. Uh, so, in one sense, yes, because. I would have never focused as as much on content as I did during that time. Um, you know, a true business person is the one that jumps on that recognizes and jumps on opportunity. So, you know, I saw that opportunity, and that was the thing that I doubled down on. Now, um, without that opportunity being available, no. Uh, 
you know, I wouldn't say that we would have grown in that way. So it wasn't more so the time to hone the craft. It was more so capitalizing on the opportunity. So what was it about you personally? I guess because most people during the pandemic did two things. They did one or two things. They did either panicked or they pivoted, right? What what made you not just say, yeah, man, in-person business is dead. I don't I don't know what to do. I I just got to ride it out and sit here. What made you at least pivot, at least try something. What, what, what did you have in you that made you want to try that? I had a two-year-old daughter. <laughs> Great motivation. You know, I had, I had child support. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I had bills. So, and I, I was already 10 toes. That, that was, that was, there was no other opportunity but to pivot. Got it. It's pivot or die, you know? So, um, <laughs> the latter was not an option for Got me. it. So <laughs> now there's somebody out there right now. They're, they're, the pandemic's over, but they're going through a tough time in their business. Um, is there anything you could teach them or tell them that you could help them look for ways to pivot? Was there something that you sat down and said, all right, I got to move in this direction, or you saw an opportunity? What was it? Th- what in your mind did you use to help you get to the next step? Because sometimes change is hard for some people. You can probably do it in the change of, you know, you're like, man, this is what I got to do now. But not everyone does that that quickly. So is there like any tips or things you can give that person who's in a situation that's tough right now and they need to pivot, but they don't know really how? Mm, mm, that's a, that is a great question. Um, because so for me, I'm one of those people that plants a lot of seeds. Like, this is the Jamaican in me. You know what I'm saying? One week you might, one job might be a little slow with the pay, so you keep a a few other jobs to make sure that the cash flow doesn't stop. And, you know, at that point it's a a game of, you know, picking which one is is the most likely to succeed and where the need is. But that's just me. I'm I'm a very uh, calculated person in that way. Um, but for everyone else, and I think a very general way to approach this is, especially to, you know, to your point, which, uh, someone might be stressed and feeling, uh, understand that just the need to pivot, you stressed. I know what that pain is. You know what I'm saying? Like if you in that spot, you, I feel you, I feel your pain. So you got to protect your mind. You have to find a way to think clearly. You have to drink enough water. You have to make sure that you're sleeping. I know it's tough, but plug out. You know, realize that if things are not going the way that you hope they are, pardon me, if things are not going the way that you think they should go, you got to find your way to endure. You know what I'm saying? Endure. Find a way to endure that time and protect your mind because as you think clearly that's where you'll see the opportunity to pivot. You know, only you know your business um, uh, in that way. And only you know why you're there, you know. But uh, for, so step one, endure. You know, step two, protect your mind. Understand that uh, if you're not resting, you're not thinking clearly, and you're going to fuck it up anyway. Mm. So every, 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 some things is going to get fucked up. Right. That's that's just the thing. That's just what's going to happen. But guess what? You're going to fuck everything up if you don't get some rest. And um, so that would be the biggest thing that allows you to protect your mind and think clearly. Got it. That is how you find your pivot. 
Good. Oh, it's yeah. in you. It's yeah. in you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the pivot's inside. Just know that Facts. you have to just uh, find it. And I, I definitely you, would say You got that, yourself there. Yeah. Just remember that. You got yourself there. And you can get yourself <laughs> out of it, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so... All right. But then now, how did your business pivot? So in person, so it seems like you started working with much higher end brands. You started doing more in person business, which is quite different from the product side of the business that you were doing before. What happened to the product? Did you just abandon that totally or is that something you'll get back to at some point? No, no, not at all. Not at all. The product is absolutely a big part of who we are. And and again, you know, that's like my thing has been operations and logistics. Uh, so the product is always going to be very connected to me and, and things that uh, we are working on with that. Um, there are some content related things that I think people will enjoy that are, are going to be leading a bit more into that side without giving too much away. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but separately, you know, I didn't set out to be an events company per se. You know, I, I understood that to influence culture, you needed to have influence on the narrative. You then needed to uh, create a space for the, uh, the conversation and then create a space for the activation. And that's how you create an entire culture. All of those things, it's like a little bubble that comes together. And so I knew that was going to take time, but uh, time and time again, the opportunities presented themselves because we already were sowing those event seeds and doing smaller things. Um, you know, once people could go back outside, they really wanted to. And they were already, you know, big fans of our brand. Uh, and on the con- consultation side, I was uh, connected with the right people um, for us to, to have the right type of outreach. You know, this led to us doing a U.S. tour. You know, this led to us being booked for events in, in Burgundy. You know, this, uh, and now we are doing a full European tour. Uh, this year. So <clears throat> it's really just sowing the seeds and planning ahead. You know, understand like, look, you're not going to harvest for a couple months. That harvest is going to take some time. And not every harvest is going to be good. Got it. But every once in a while, you got the 2000 Bordeaux. <laughs> I mean, you're in a business that takes an insane amount of patience to actually create the product, right? Like you can't just get just grapes and make the best wine from the grapes you pick today. It takes so much time. Even the worst wine still has a fermenting process that still takes right. time to make. So you're in a business that it's, you know, there's a lot of patience that's attached to it. Um, how is it working internationally? Because you've pivoted, you talk, you're talking a lot about, you know, going to France and Bordeaux and these places. You know, you're an American-based company talking a lot heavily on hip-hop and black culture, and you're talking to people in countries who sometimes don't even speak your language. How has it been working in those countries? Because you've pivoted, you know, wine has always been international, but you've pivoted your business to do a lot of work there. How has that been, that, that transition? Man, I gotta say I love it, man. It's it's definitely inspired. Uh, you know, traveling and working internationally in that way has definitely inspired a lot of just personal growth. You know, I've I've been very fortunate uh, to you know you look at the sorts of things that I've done, like shooting all that content at Chateau Lafitte. Like I'm signing the same book as the Queen of England. Wow. You know, uh, 
Wow. It's crazy. Like, absolutely insane. And I'm sitting, you know, I, they, they put the robe on me, man. It was a whole thing. Yeah, it you, was a whole he thing. He was in like so, a cellar with some robe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think about the fact that that connection was made through wine. Now, the interesting piece is, don't get me wrong. Yo, I still get super racist vibes when I go to Italy. Wow. You know, there are definitely spots in France I go and get racist vibes. But guess what? As soon as that wine thing comes into play and a, there's an opportunity for a conversation, the whole thing changes. You know, so I think that people can be ignorant. That, that's the thing. You deal with a lot of ignorant people. A lot of times, like racism is rooted in ignorance. Yeah, and also not, <laughs> you know? being, not being having access to those people. If you look around, you're probably one of the only brown people in the room sometimes. You know, so obviously they don't have a they don't have a chance to have a conversation with someone. So obviously they can be ignorant, you know, exactly. But and, you know, the other thing that you start to realize is um, the the perspective uh, of people. uh, Pardon me. The 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 way that people view you is um, that changes based on where you are, you know, even within that country. Just vibes are completely different. Like the vibe in Burgundy is super laid back and chill, and um, you know it's more uh, countryside uh, than than Bordeaux is. Not to say Bordeaux is super stuffy. It's like fun, a little bit just more metropolitan. So um, it's just it's it's very very interesting. Uh, but it, working internationally has just taught me a lot about um, uh, humility, honestly. You know, um, you it's it's real easy to be the man where you feel comfortable, but where you don't speak the language, or you know, maybe somebody might have a certain view of you before they hear you speak, or it's 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 humbling. But you gotta the true knowledge is being able to to thrive in whatever environment you're in, and I think that that's what um, traveling and working internationally has done for me. Got it. That's super interesting. I mean, to pivot your business there. Granted, that's where the heavy hitters and the movers and shakers are in that industry. Um, so, you know, you've been at this entrepreneur life now for what, three years, four years? Oh, man, this has been since 2016, man. 2016. So you're, you're coming on some, what is it, nine years? Um, what, what would you still give people the advice that you gave cuz i could i could insert what you played last time what you said last time but what you were telling people is to like do your research um once you do your research move and pivot in that direction take your time but move and pivot I, i'll insert it but that's kind of mm-hmm. roughly what you said right would you still give that advice you know 6 7 years in now that you you know it's for someone who's looking to make that jump into entrepreneurship Hmm. The advice that I would give someone right now is, um, yo, it's crazy. I would give the same advice, be honest with you. Got it. You got to be in the business, like get your feet wet, you know, get your feet wet first. If you say, hey, I want to own a restaurant, but you've never worked in a restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's a pipe dream. So work in a restaurant. But guess what? You can't just work there. You need to know how that back office works as well. Absorb as much as you possibly can about the business that you want to get into. So intimately, 
you know, <clears throat> as, as, as close to partner as you can be, get there before you jump in there and make that your own thing because you absolutely take a lot of risk on. Number two, calculate what your monthly expenses are. What does your life cost? If you made no money for the next three years, can you pay for what your life costs? That is what you need to ask yourself. As soon as you could do that, jump off the porch, man, both feet. And the other thing is you're not going to get anywhere until you're all in. So be patient because that's going to take some time just for you to even personally be there. Yeah. You know, um, it takes about a year a before you feel like steady, like as a person, like this is my new life, you know, like so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people get scared and run back and teeter back and forth until they completely feel confident. So don't feel bad if you're listening to this and you have to teeter back and forth because eventually, you know, you'll make that step now. And you know what? Like just on that, think about partnership, right? Like sometimes you're not good at everything, you know, maybe some you need a partner that's better with the numbers you know maybe you need a partner that's uh better operationally uh and you're not the most organized person like you got to really think about partnership especially with skills if you got a great sales experience and this person has the money and contacts like look put it together you really need to think about all the different pieces and understand that Sometimes it can't be just you. That team and being able to build a team is going to be what defines your success. That's you're going to lead me to right to my next question. So that was that was amazing. <laughs> um, so from 2016, you were in 2023. <clears throat> what are a few? I'd say two to three lessons that Jermaine has learned. From when he first had started as an entrepreneur to where you are now, what are certain things that three lessons that you say you learned that you can bestow on the audience? Mm. Uh, three lessons. Patience is a virtue, straight up and down. And understand that being able to develop that patience and have that patience, that is, that's your number one thing. You know, patience is... How do you handle getting punched in the face? You know, because guess what? You're going to get your ass whipped <laughs> for a couple years. They're going to really give it to you. So, you know, patience is, is, um, is the number one thing. Um, the second thing is uh, discipline. You know, I think that... Discipline in uh, what? In all aspects or just in every aspect of your life or just in business? Having discipline in your actions. Um, Can you go a little bit really deeper important. in that? Uh, so, so the with so an important thing is having discipline in in your actions. Meaning, you set a plan, you have to do it. Don't don't negotiate with yourself because <laughs> you're always gonna win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so when you say you're going to do something, do it. That is the that is one of the most important things, especially as a leader. You got to understand that you set the tone. So if I come in your house and you jumping on the bed, I'm gonna think I could jump on the bed too. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so you want your your everyone in your team to have that same discipline that you do. So um, 
in your actions, having discipline in your actions. That's that's extremely important. I'm not perfect at it all the time, uh, but it's something that uh, you should strive to be perfect at. Um, let's see. Last lesson is um, self-care, you know, uh, Self, uh, you know, and this is something that I'm even now still working with, but I I realize the more that I've embraced that mindset, um, the better off I've been, you know. So I now it's just like, look, 930, the plug is out. I ain't got it because I'm not I'm not going to be productive after that. You know, um, a good friend of mine told me a story about a, a guy chopping a tree down. Uh, <laughs> that good friend is me, by the way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, the fact that you know he came in with this brand new axe, dude was chopping down thirty trees a day. I right, boom, cool. So that was happening every day, and then after a while, he was only chopping down twenty trees a day. He's like, "Yo, man, I'm losing my strength." Now he's going to Jamie's trying to figure it out. And he he sits down. They like, yo, when's the last time you sharpened your axe? Very important, man. And um, so yeah, you know, it's just. And if you think about those three things, right? Patience, discipline, and finding that um, that space for self care, like making sure that you take care of yourself. You drink enough water. You work out. Like understand. Yes, there's only but so much time in the day, but these things are as important as brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Like, if you're not there for yourself, you can't be there for anybody yeah. else. You are the engine in the car, and the car needs maintenance every three months. So what makes you think that you don't need the same level of maintenance? So you have to give yourself that time. So if it's a, you know, once a month massage, if it's going to bed early, if it's drinking enough water... If it's also even things like understanding that while you're in that space, while you're in that zone working, like create an atmosphere that you can enjoy. You know, like for me, I like the I like uh, the the eucalyptus candles. I got Michael Jordan last dance on in the background on mute. You know what I'm saying? I got my Jamaican dub music playing. It's a vibe. It feels good. You know, so. Try to find ways to enjoy every moment of what you do because it's it's life is you know it success is a way to travel. Pardon me, happiness is a way to travel, not a place to arrive. That's you dope. Don't think of it like that's what you got to do. You got to lock in, focus on being happy in the things that you do. Happiness. That's a way to travel, not a place that you're trying to get to. That's so that's so awesome that you say that because I've been saying this quote to my kids every morning from Deion Sanders, and the quote goes, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. And I've been saying that to them every morning, and I'm like, you feel good? You ready to go to school? You ready? You look You look good. You, you look good. And they're like, I look good. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, make sure that you, like you said, tr- happiness is something you travel with. It's not something you want to get to. You don't just grind yourself to the, to, to the end and then eventually, you know, get yourself there. So, you know, two years ago we spoke... We never saw what would happen now. I mean, you're planting seeds, but we never saw this coming. Uh, where do you see Crew Love in the next two years when we check back in? 
Oh man, on the moon in space. <laughs> nah, <laughs> wine in space. Let's go. Nah, we on the new Earth. Yo, look, I did say I want to do a wine tasting on uh, on a spaceship. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, we are gonna figure that out. That's like but forty no, years two- from now. <laughs> look, um, you know what? Let me shut my mouth because I, I got anyway. I don't want to give no spoilers, man. Um, no, but uh, for me, I, I think that we're gonna have a much bigger, um, much bigger footprint in the wine industry uh, overall. But separately, I think that we'll have a bigger influence on culture, uh, and um, I think that you'll start to see that a lot more. I definitely have some books in the tank. You know, I have uh, a lot more um, business models in this space in the tank, and you know, I'm, I'm also I'm also going to be doing a lot more management. You know, I have a lot more stories to tell than my own. You know, I know a lot of people with amazing stories to tell that I can help to 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 craft that. So, you know, there are a few shows um, that I'm producing for people. So, you know, you're just going to see a lot more of the fly shit that we do coming from many more places uh, to a point where I think that we're, uh, it'll end up creating a new standard. Nice. Now, I, I'm going to do this one begrudgingly. I know this is you pushing me, so um, I'm going to just say it because... I, I hate it, but I, I need. I know I need to do it. So Jermaine is somebody that I've coached, consulted for years on years on end. What is it like being coached and consulted by me practically almost every day? <laughs> <laughs> Word. No, I mean, honestly, I think that, um, you know, working with you, as you know, has been the, the, the change to what we've been doing. It's been a measured approach. A lot of times, all the shit that you, you say I should do that I don't, I end up saying like, yo, let's do this like a year later. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yo, look what people are doing. Like, yo, well, I told you that a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think that, um, you know, working with you is just, uh, it's, it, it helps you to keep it real, you know, and look, everything's not going to work. And you're someone that'll tell you like straight out, nah, just keep step on it again. Keep working it. Nope, not there yet. Nope, not there yet. Um, but separately, I think that you have a way of helping people to find the right idea. You know, that's something that I lean on you for a lot. Like, you know, we came into this, you knowing nothing about wine. Um, and nothing about this space and the way that this space worked, but you think about the way that you helped me to influence sales, um, marketing, both digitally and in person. Like, I think that overall you have a, a very a great perspective on a wide variety of subjects. So you can fig, and then you you have this deep intimate knowledge of sales and how that's supposed to connect. Um, so. Every single business revolves around sales, period. You're selling something to somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that your sales background has definitely uh, lended itself to our success. Got it. Um, would you recommend someone working with me as a coach or consultant with them? Five million percent. Five million. I, I'm definitely not paying you enough. <laughs> Nowhere near. I ran some bills up. Don't worry, I got you on the back end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, but no, five, yo, dude, I mean, 
I, this is something that I stress on you all the time. You got to open up the net and consult for more people because like, dude, this is what, this is your talent. This is where your talent is. Like, that's it. That's the thing. Got it. Now, two more questions. Um, I, you know, everyone shows on social media, you know, the Lamborghinis, the great life entrepreneur. I started a, I started a junkyard business. Now I'm rich, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What has been the cost of entrepreneurship for you? Shit, man. More than you could put into words. <laughs> In good ways or bad ways? Um, this, you sacrifice a lot as an entrepreneur you sac- because you sacrifice time. You know, you only have 24 hours in a day, and um, it's it can be mentally draining. It can be financially draining. You know, uh, things change. You know, that, that can easily happen. Um, so, yeah, for me, man, I, I definitely sacrificed a lot financially, personally, lost friends, all that. You know, it, it that's just a part of it. That's a part of it. You get in. You get back what you put in. And shit, man, Thanos had to throw his daughter off the joint. You know what I'm saying? But he got that infinity stone. It is what it is. I would never throw my daughter off anything. BTW. I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But I, I, I always want to let people saying. know that there is a cost to this, right? Like for, for all the Lambos you see, there is someone that was crying in the shower for six years. You know, like there's, <laughs> there, <laughs> there's a lot of those happening that we don't talk and we don't stress enough. Um, last question I've been asking to every guest. The name of the show is the H for Hustle podcast. Jermaine Stone, what does hustle mean to you? Mm. Hustle means energy, energy, energy. Nah, uh, <laughs> hustle, hustle is, is um, how bad do you want it? Do you want it as bad as you need to breathe? Because guess what? The next man, that, that person that you're competing with, they do. And it's not going to stop, so you can't. Hustle is your, the vigor behind you, the torque that's pushing you. You know, that's, that's hustle. Mm, that's an awesome answer. Um, I love asking that question because the answer is so <laughs> different for every person. Um, I, Jermaine, love, I love the hustle. I love the game. <laughs> I love the game, man. Honestly, like, yo, with this hustling shit, like, for me, it really does, like, you know, I'm making deals. I'm moving around. I got to, you know, make relationships, keep relationships. It's, it's And you got to figure out the best opportunity. You know, some things you take a little less so you can get a little bit more. It's it's a it really is sometimes like a game, mm-hmm. you know. But it's a game that has real life consequences. Yep. But you got to be able to play it. Got it. But anything in life has real life consequences because we're in life, you know. So we are in life. Yeah. <laughs> Working for someone has consequences too. So you yeah, do know that as well. So Jermaine, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if people want to reach you, if they want to learn more about wine, if they want to see your content i would definitely strongly guys check out the content because it's it's amazing um where should they go check out all that stuff uh you can go to wineandhiphop.com check us out on ig at wine and hip hop show uh check us out on youtube wine and hip hop and real talk you if you google search wine and hip hop 
one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever, man. Like we we up there. So you Google wine and hip hop and you can put a bat signal in the air. Pop a bottle of wine and play a Jay-Z record and I show up. <laughs> That's it, man. That's how you find me. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it right there, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And just like that, another episode is in the can. Man, I love that Jermaine gave the same advice that he gave two years ago about starting a business. And I thought it was really good to see that he's staying consistent on that saying. But also, you know, that it's no new advice, guys. It's the same tried and tested advice. And you just have to go out there and do it. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to wrap it up like I always wrap it up, guys, with the quote from the late great Nipsey Hussle. The quote goes, this game will test you. Never fold. Stay 10 toes down because it's not on you. It's in you. And what's in you, they can never take away. That's it, guys. Peace. Boom.